Greetings, I'm Will Tompkins, and this is the Narrow Way Podcast. This series of episodes is our study of John Bunyan's timeless book, The Pilgrim's Progress, Part 2, Christiana's Story. Links to our source text will be found in the description field of each episode in this series. In this episode, we'll be discussing the Valley of Humiliation. But first, a moment of prayer. Merciful Father, grateful are we for your presence here with us. As we proceed in our study of the narrow way and the pilgrims who travel there, help us, Father God, to focus our attention on the truth of your living word. And may that truth shape our walk with thee. We pray, Father, that our study of these things will bring you glory and honor, and may we rejoice in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let us begin with a review of our previous lesson, which included a Mr. Brisk and his attraction to Mercy. Remember that Mercy confided in the maidens of the house beautiful, wanting to know what kind of man this Mr. Brisk was. Now at this she finds out that he's a very busy young man whose religion is pretense, that he is a stranger to the power of that which is good. He is a man of this world, a religious pretender who was struck by mercy, to whom he offered love and marriage. Now after hearing what the maidens had to say about him, mercy said she will then turn her attentions elsewhere as she has vowed never to have a clog to my soul, which is an anchor or ball and chain. And then there was Matthew's self-imposed sickness that came from eating the fruit of Beelzebub's orchard, a sickness that he could have died of. The sickness being, of course, the turning away from Jesus and towards Satan. And what was the remedy? Well, Mr. Skill made him a physic, but it turned out to be too weak. So he made another for this specific purpose. Bunyan writes that it was made ex carne et sanguini Christi, which is Latin for flesh and blood of Christ, representing the Holy Communion. And you will remember that the new physic was in the form of pills, and it was to be washed down with the tears of repentance. Now, as they prepared to leave, the maidens gave a golden anchor, the anchor of hope, to Christiana, saying, you shall have it with you in case you should meet with turbulent weather. Just then there's a knock on the door. Greatheart has returned, and he's bringing with him refreshments for their journey provided by his Lord. And even with the talk of trouble ahead, Matthew says to his mother, fear nothing, mother as long as Mr. Greatheart is to go with us and to be our conductor. Now, on to the Valley of Humiliation. 
So what is the overriding theme of this valley of humiliation? Why, it's humility, of course, and God's opposition to the proud. God, James writes in 4.6, resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Why, then, loved ones, would we choose to be in opposition to God? I think most of us would answer that we wouldn't. And yet think how often we boast in everyday common conversation, always wanting the other person to know just how great or good or kind or smart we are. The Lord's words are quite clear, aren't they? Do you want to impress man and push away God? Or do you want to receive the grace that he has promised to the humble? Listen, we cannot change his words or his way. They are immutable. Eventually there will be an end. So tremble at his living words and don't be caught on the wrong side of salvation. Now recall that Christian, in part one, lost his footing and stumbled when coming down into the valley of humiliation. This stumbling represents a prideful or boastful attitude. Those who lose their footing here must expect battles, as was the case with Christian, who was met by Apollyon and nearly died in that great battle you read about in part one. And to those whose footing is secure, that is, those who are humble, the journey down and into the valley is a pleasant one. And as we've learned, the valley is, in and of itself, as fruitful a place as any that the birds fly over. So to one, the valley of humiliation is an evil place where Satan and his minions attack unsuspecting pilgrims. And yet to another, like mercy, it is a quiet, restful place where one may walk in the beautiful meadows with the Lord. Of course, and as it was with Christian, many who stumble will recover and defeat the enemy, hopefully remembering henceforth God's opposition to the proud. Now, backing up a bit, in addition to the anchor of hope, piety has another gift for Christiana. And what is it? It's a record of all things that our pilgrims had seen and learned at the House Beautiful. So if memory fades, she can refer back to this record for her edification and encouragement. And as I've mentioned, we learn that this valley suits mercy well. It graces her spirit. She's comfortable there, preferring its quiet and gentle surroundings to noisy rattling of coaches and the rumbling of wheels. It is, for her, a place of reflection a place to be with God. Here also in this valley is a memorial to Christian's battle with Apollyon. Greatheart points out the place where our mighty pilgrim, wearing the full armor of God, stood his ground and was victorious over his enemy. Praise the Lord. And as they explored the monument area, they found some of his blood lying on the stones. They also found pieces of Apollyon's broken arrows as well as the stones that were split because of their mighty blows. And engraved on the monument commemorating this great battle were these words, 
Close to here was a battle fought, so strange and yet most true, Christian and Apollyon sought each other to subdue. The man so bravely took command, he made the fiend to fly, of which a monument I stand, the same to testify. Now after they passed this place, they came to a border of yet another valley, the valley of the shadow of death, which is the subject of our next lesson. Now in addition to humility, there's another powerful lesson here, and that is, do not fear. After they reach the bottom of the valley and having done so without incident, piety tells Christiana not to worry, that even though this is the place where her husband endured the terrible battle with Apollyon, she should not fear, for she has great heart to conduct her and to be her guide. Now, as an aside, it is written that after the great battle with Christian, Apollyon left this valley and took up residence in the next one, the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Now, as they proceed, Greatheart also assures them, saying, We do not need to be afraid of this valley, for there is nothing here to hurt us unless we invite it. But he adds that those who lose their footing in the descent must expect battles here in this Valley of Humiliation. Indeed, it is easier going up than down. Now, while acknowledging Christian's bravery and his courageous victory, Greatheart says that it is far easier going up this hill than it is going down, and that that can be said of very few hills. What does this mean? Well, it is far easier to be prideful and boastful than it is to be humble. Indeed, for some, that is a battle that is never won. Greatheart now instructs his pilgrims on the nature of this valley. It is, he says, the best and most fruitful piece of ground in all these parts. It is fertile and filled with meadows and beautiful flowers. Very fruitful soil, he says, producing fruit bountifully. And the message here is, with the Lord, humility wins and pride and boasting lose. O oh, Father, vanquish our prideful nature and open our hearts to humility. Next, we are introduced to another example of the humble life, the shepherd's boy, who even though he wears old ragged clothing, enjoys a life full of happiness. One of the verses he's singing goes like this, He that is down needs fear no fall, he that is low no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. Of this boy, Great Heart remarks, Do you hear what he has said? I dare say that this boy lives a happier life and enjoys more of that herb called heart's ease than does the one who is clad in silk and velvet. Finally, Great Heart reminds his pilgrims that the Lord himself used to have a country cottage in this valley and that he loved to walk here. In fact, he says, the Lord has left a yearly revenue to the people who love these grounds and also delight to walk in them. Well, what is this revenue? Well, listen to what James writes in 4.6. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so the yearly revenue Bunyan refers to is that grace. Remember, loved ones, 
keep your head held high, not because of who you are, but rather because of whose you are. Well, loved ones, as we draw to a close, let us reflect on the overriding message of this section. Aside from not fearing, it is that the Lord wants his people to be humble. Arrogance, boasting, and all other forms of self-inflated self-righteousness are on the wrong side of grace, which inevitably bring us into grievous battles that we might otherwise avoid. Let us pray. Thank you, Father God, for being with us during this time of study. May the truths we've learned here, Father, penetrate our hearts, dissolve our pride, and destroy our arrogance. And may our boastful natures be transformed by the peace and the joy found in your valley, the valley of humiliation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in our next lesson, we'll cover the valley of the shadow of death. Until then, loved ones, may the Comforter be with you always to guide you in the way that leads to the city. Amen.